Dear colleagues, dear friends, uh, it's a pleasure for me uh, to um, welcome today uh, Professor Sia Daneshman, who is a um, professor at uh, USC. Uh, he's uh, responsible of the clinical research at USC and also uh, from the fellowship program of your oncology. So thank you, Professor Daneshman, to be with us today. Thank you. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting and important uh, discussion that we have today. Um, you have presented uh, yesterday the first preliminary results of the Sunrise One study uh, in the setting of high-risk uh, non-muscle invasive blood cancer, BCG and responsive. Um, these results were very uh, interesting and the expectation of, the, of this um, study are still uh, very high. Um, please, can you explain us uh, what is the design of this study and the concept and the rationale behind it? Yeah, absolutely. So, pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, I've always loved uh, discussing this. So, I, uh, we got involved in uh, um, the phase one uh, trial of the TAR 200 uh, uh, in 2016 or so. And uh, that was phase one, just a tolerability of the same pretzel put inside the bladder with a gemcitabine tablet that's, that's pushed through an osmotic sort of channel uh, in, in the, um, in the uh, urine. And uh, the, the results were excellent. I mean, A, it was very well tolerated, and B, we saw some um, uh, really interesting results in terms of efficacy, even early signal, let's call it, uh, in that phase one uh, study. So uh, that's what led to uh, this uh, later uh, study in the BCG unresponsive space, the Sunrise uh, One, which is the design is uh, either uh, trying to see what each component brings to uh, the um, uh, treatment of the disease. So uh, there's an arm with uh, citrilamab alone. Citrilamab is a PD-1 inhibitor, much like the other PD-1 inhibitors. Mm -hmm. uh, there's TAR-200 plus citrilamab, and then the TAR-200 alone. So really uh, trying to separate out the components here and see which is, uh, 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 and it's a one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one randomization. Uh, the pretzel is uh, placed inside the bladder. Uh, the uh, gemcitabine tablets uh, will elude the uh, gemcitabine sort of over a th three-week period. Uh, and the citrilamab is also in a, in a three-week uh, sort of injection um, uh, 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 protocol. So you had to change the the, um, the device of the pretzel every three weeks, right? Correct. Okay, great. Um, so this is a in the, in this randomized study. What was the the main endpoint, the primary endpoint of the study? Yeah, the primary endpoint is CR at any time. Uh, the, mm -hmm. These are pre preliminary results that we're we're uh, presenting here. So it's a, a complete response, and complete response uh, uh, is evaluated at twenty four and forty eight months. So at twenty four months. Uh, it's um, central cytology uh, and biopsy radiographic response. So they have to have, you know, all the components uh, there for uh, an actual CR. Yeah, and that's that's a really interesting um, endpoint. And I like the fact that um, you used uh, complete response at any time and not only at three months or 12 months as uh, the other drugs uh, in the setting that has been already published. Um, do you, uh, I also saw that you have um, also some additional uh, analysis with biomarkers, MRI before uh, before the surgery or before the treatment, I would say. Uh, do you uh, which biomarker do you do you look at in this uh, study? So we we don't have any data on on biomarkers yet. Uh, some of the urine studies will be done later, but we don't have any results yet. Okay, great. Yeah. So um, what is what are what are the? Can you present us the 
the main results of the of the preliminary study? Sure. So again, these are preliminary results, but very, very encouraging. So we're presenting on, on cohort two and three, which is the citrilumab alone uh, or the uh, TAR200 plus, uh, I'm sorry, the TAR200 alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason uh, we don't are not presenting cohort one, which is the combination, is because we didn't have enough evaluable patients uh, for the analysis at the data cutoff. So when you look at um, citrilumab alone, the, the response rate was 38%, which is what we know from Pembro, um, yeah, Pembro and other you know PD one in- inhibitors. Uh, the safety profile was very similar to what we know about uh, this class of uh, medication. The TAR uh, two hundred uh, results. That's what is really interesting in a seventy three percent. That's CR rate. So this is TAR two hundred alone. So, uh, so meaning just gemcitabine delivered intravenously, exactly, exactly with the pretzel alone uh, in, in, in the bladder, and, and then uh, you know at a Q three uh, week uh, interval, they do go to quarterly intervals after you know, after one year we're doing um, a quarterly uh, interval, so uh, it does you know okay. um, lengthen the uh, the, the, the maintenance. Yeah. Uh, how many patients do you already uh, have analyzed? So we uh, we have 22 uh, patients uh, uh, in the TAR 200 and 21. Eva- these are evaluable patients, to, uh, 22 and 21 in the citrilumab alone. So 22 in the TAR 200, 21 in the uh, citrilumab. Pretty well matched uh, in terms of uh, their clinical cr- criteria. And um, the median follow up for for the study so far that you presented was around 11 months? 11 months, right. Okay. Yeah. And with more than 70% of complete response at any time? At any time. Okay. And we now have a number of patients who are beyond the, the one-year uh, mark and continue to have uh, a continued response. Uh, so uh, as far as I can remember, there's only one patient who has uh, discontinued because of a, a, a recurrence of, of the responders. Um, so it, this is continued and ongoing response in most of the responders. So. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, do you do you have any any uh, information regarding the Bretzel itself and his uh, tolerance uh, for the patient? There are some uh, questions regarding putting a new a, a device into the bladder. I know, yeah. of course, the phase one shows the tolerability, but in these uh, settings. Do you have any information? Yeah, absolutely. So, so this thing is uh, for those who don't know, is placed through a uh, catheter uh, with a with a stylet. So it's a special catheter, and you uncoil the pretzel into the catheter and put some gel, and then you have a stylet that pushes the pretzel into the bladder, which uh, then uh, uh, maintains this sort of uh, pretzel shape. Now we have to understand this thing uh, floats around the bladder. It's not sitting. Uh, in a dependent portion inside the bladder is floating as, as the bladder fills and, and empties. So uh, overall, what we saw, uh, you know, I put up a, a good number of these, uh, f- uh, more than 15 of these in the phase one trial. So I had a lot of experience doing this. When we looked inside, the, 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 uh, not only did we see some response in those patients, this was done in the neoadjuvant setting in phase one. Uh, two, I didn't see that redness and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, erythema inflammation that we normally associate with intravesical therapy. And I was, it was a bit of a surprise to me, but, but it makes sense because this thing is, is floating around. The gemcitabine is, is being eluded uh, sort of over a, a period of time rather than all at the same time. So we're very used to seeing the minomycin reactions, the BCG reactions, and the other intravesical mm-hmm. uh, therapies, uh, but we're, we're just not seeing that. In terms of tolerability for, for the patients, again, the, if you look at the trial, the, the AEs are, are quite the grade three AEs are very, very low. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're minor dysurias and things like that that we've, uh, we've encountered for, again, very, very familiar to all of us uh, for these types of uh, uh, things. Uh, but, but very few are being uh, removed 
uh, because of um, um, intolerability, let's say. Uh, most of the uh, 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 side effects can be managed with anticholinergics, antimuscarinics, and so on and so forth. Okay, cool. Um, maybe some question about the, the results. You, you have the gemcitabine uh, that show a really interesting results. Uh, that also confirms the, the retrospective analysis from uh, gem dossier uh, intravesically. Do you think that uh, we could think about uh, improving even afterwards the device? I mean, we need to, to have some more follow-up uh, regarding these results, but are, which are already massive, uh, great results. Do you think we can think about something different for absolutely? So, so that's a great question, and I think absolutely we always need to improve, right? Uh, when we see good results, we want it to be even better. Uh, we want it, the duration to be longer, like you said. We'll we'll have you know extended follow up hopefully at the next visit. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, th there is a quite a bit of engineering that goes into this. Um, you know, I'm not a, a, a basic scientist, but I know that these are you know uh, patented. Uh, um, uh, uh, sort of designs and getting the, uh, the, the device to elude the, the gemcitabine over time is, takes a lot of engineering. Yeah. Uh, so which brings me to the next step is, is they've already, um, we already have another trial in progress right now, which is the erdafitinib uh, in the same yeah. pretzel, the TAR-210. TAR yeah. So already we've moved on to another drug. So yes, I do anticipate in the future, this is a drug delivery system, right? Yeah. So in the future, we probably can yeah. put additional drugs in their combination drug therapies, I'm hoping, because mm -hmm. we can only improve on these results, right? Uh, so you're right, this is gem only. And mm -hmm. so we know from re retrospective data, at least right now, the gem dose is highly effective in, mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. uh, patient population of BCG unresponsive. So I, I'm very hopeful for the future. I'm very mm -hmm. excited um, uh, for, for both this and also the 210. Uh, yeah. That has started the erdafitinib and the patients with FGFR three alterations. I think I think that's that's amazing because these results show two two important things that gemcitabine is is really a good drug right. in BCG and responsive patients, and also that this device or the new technology, as you said, are really like bring something new on the market and for the patients that has a good tolerance and potentially could be used with adafitinib and other drugs uh, yeah. later. Uh, uh, just to, to finish, um, with this great preliminary results, again, we, we still need to, to have more um, follow-up and more patient uh, analyzed. But uh, where do you think we have to put um, the TAR-200 in this new uh, busy filled with interleukin-15 supragonist, feradenovic, and and pembrolizumab that are already here and and uh, accepted. Do you? Where do you? Would you propose it? Yeah, uh, it's a great question, and I think you know. We're, first of all, we're lucky. Our patients are lucky to have so much activity in bladder cancer to yeah. to have these new uh, agents available to them. I think in the future we're going to look at sequencing. Right? Yeah. There's so many patients right now who don't fall into our categories of BCG unresponsive, and if people who fall through the cracks or don't tolerate. Um, a certain uh, medication first. Uh, the, we're having great results from Alt803 um, uh, given along with BCG, uh, but uh, you know we, there are other Sunrise trials looking at different states of disease. The Sunrise 2, mm -hmm. for instance, in muscle invasive um, bladder cancer, Sunrise 3 in BCG naive. naive. And then Sunrise 4 in the neoadjuvant setting, so it's, uh, seeing whether you know there's activity. So there's a lot of interest, and, and we're going to see where this fits in sort of in the algorithm of, of patient management. But uh, I'm excited to have an, 
you know, uh, more uh, uh, agents to, to have for patients with the non-invasive disease than we've had in the past, which were very limited. Right. Yeah, I, I totally share your excitation and your your um, your enthusiasm yeah. in this in these settings, and I I, I do believe that uh, the next few years will be really a game changer for our patients, and I hopefully radical cystectomy in BCG and responsive will be rarer uh, than, than before. In the exactly. Now that we have more choices, I think in the past we used, to, we used to go to radical cystectomy much earlier because we just didn't have those options available to us. Either they you know, failed BCG, progression rates were high, and we just didn't have anything. And now we have more and more. On the, on the other hand, we have to also make sure that patients don't progress to the point sure. where we keep trying these things while patients are are, are progressing. Yeah. I think there definitely is a role for radical cystectomy early yeah. in patients with very high risk features. Uh, so I think we have to temper uh, also our, our enthusiasm for all these uh, drugs, especially in sequence where multiple lines of therapy are not working. You're right. You're right. Never, never miss the opportunity, yeah. the window of opportunity exactly. to perform a radical cystectomy in yeah. appropriate patients. Yeah. Professor Danishman, thank you so much. Uh, for being with us today and reporting the first results of the Sunrise One uh, trial. Uh, it was uh, definitely one of the highest highlights uh, in non-muscle invasive bladder cancer during this uh, fantastic AOA uh, 2023. Thank you. Um, thank you for everything and see you soon. Pleasure. Thank you. See you.